0: Hi and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today's interview is with Kate Smythe, a sports nutritionist with the Athlete Sanctuary. Kate Smythe used to race marathons. She set her personal best time of 2.28.51 by finishing second at the 2008 Nagano Olympic Commemorative Marathon in Japan. At age 35, she competed at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, where she successfully finished the race with a time of 2.36.10. Kate also ran in the marathon at the 2006 Commonwealth Games, coming in seventh place. Taken from her website, Athlete Sanctuary, it says that Kate developed her passion for natural medicine during her career as an elite endurance athlete, competing in the Women's Marathon for Australia at the Olympic and Commonwealth Games and becoming one of the all-time fastest women in Australia. Her journey was not without challenges and she required the assistance of many holistic health practitioners from around the world to overcome and manage multiple injuries, chronic fatigue and celiac disease to progress from fun runner to Olympian in just eight years. She still runs most days, albeit retired from serious competition. During her sporting career, Kate identified the need for a holistic service tailored to the unique requirements of athletes and set about creating an innovative sports naturopathy service which offers natural, effective, and non-invasive treatment options to athletes. Kate came onto the podcast to discuss the nutritional issues directly related to runners. Enjoy. Hi, Kate, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. Now, obviously, you're very interested in sports nutrition. What prompted you to get into sports nutrition? Mm.
1: I think it was really through my own experience as, as a marathon runner and uh, the trials and tribulations of finding uh, nutrition that actually worked well for me really read, led me down a path to, to really better understand the body and better understand nutrition. And, and that sort of, yeah, really led me into doing for the study and um, getting into sports nutrition because I can see there's just so much Uh, untapped potential when people really just focus on their physical training and don't actually put the right fuel into their body but if they really want to rev themselves like a fine Ferrari for example you know that analogy really does need to um, be considered that you've got to you know think about the fuel that you put into a fine engine to get the best performance out of it
0: yeah that's fair enough and so what is a sports naturopath
1: so yeah yeah sure so um a naturopath uh generally speaking looks at all the different systems in the body and how they interrelate and goes sort of back what i describe as sort of upstream so instead of doing just symptomatic management sometimes we can do that of health conditions but we'll often go um upstream and i and i liken it to a bit like um Maybe solving a puzzle. There's often little signs and symptoms that the body's throwing out that may seem unrelated to the untrained, but to a naturopath, there's a puzzle that is forming, and pieces of that puzzle come together when we look at the body and look at the athlete holistically. So, and and being a sports naturopath, um, I overlay all the sports performance and requirements that an individual athlete has over someone who may maybe sedentary because they're completely different yeah, <laughs> yes right. physiologically we're all the same but an athlete needs a lot more nutrients yeah. and will have other issues that someone who doesn't necessarily exercise as much you yeah. know won't complain of you know there's, yeah. there's so many of them <laughs> yeah and so what do you have a running background yourself
0: or what's your yes. sports background
1: yes yes so i um i've i've loved sports ever since i was a youngster and i played a lot of different team sports growing up but i always loved to do just fun running more or less but then i i got uh into marathon running quite seriously and uh, was it was at 2000 games in Sydney. I was a spectator and I was sitting there watching and Tagahashi from Japan, Tagahashi, yeah. she came in and she um, won. And the hair stood up on the back of my neck. It was one of those really weird moments that you just go, did that really happen? And I, I just said this random thing to my partner and I said, that's what I want to do. I actually want to be really good and run into an Olympic stadium. Yeah. Uh, in the women's marathon. And I know it sounds like almost crazy to even think that, but eight years later, that's exactly what I did. Yeah, so, that's right. yeah. from that moment of committing to it, eight years later, it came true. So, those eight. So, before eight that, you'd been, never
0: had any real um, desire to go that far? It was just that moment? No, only. not at all. I was just yeah. a
1: fun runner. I literally yeah. was running 8Ks and just just loving um trying to get fit again my whole purpose for running again i i literally ate my way around europe and um <laughs> as I, you should I, <laughs> I came back with massive saddlebags and um <laughs> i just i just decided i wanted to finish a marathon without walking so i did that in canberra and mm. um i finished and i loved it and i went oh well you know every marathon it goes through that Um, stage of I hate this this is awful and then as soon as you finish you go that was amazing when can I do it again
0: yeah
1: (laughs) so so what time was your first
0: marathon in
1: my first marathon was uh three hours 20 which is pretty
0: good for your first marathon
1: oh it yeah obviously showed you had something there without really understanding that though like I had no I had no understanding whether that was even a good time or not. You yeah. know, like I was so naive. I didn't even have yeah. a pair of running shorts. So yeah. <laughs> and so, what did what did you, you know end up
0: as your PB? Uh,
1: I ended up running in Nagano in Japan and did two hours twenty eight.
0: Oh wow, that's so, amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty crazy journey to get there, but yeah, ne- um, nearly
0: an hour faster than your first. time. Yeah,
1: nearly, nearly, <laughs> nearly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at yeah. that very first run in Canberra, Dick, yes. Robert G. Costello was there. Okay. And I cornered, him, I cornered him and said, what do I need to do to be a good marathon runner? And he said, well, the first thing is probably going home and getting a coach and actually training for a marathon. Yeah. And the other thing is getting yourself a pair of running shorts. That would probably help too.
0: <laughs> what
1: were you wearing, <laughs> so Gordies or something? I was wearing my brother's boxes. Never do that. <laughs> it's a really bad idea, they chase. Oh no. <laughs> I can imagine.
0: Yep. <laughs> oh, that's yeah.
1: funny. So, what do you yeah. um
0: believe is optimal nutrition for an athlete in day to day life? Like when, and then you know, mm. just for their for their day to day food, not necessarily while they're competing.
1: Yeah. So, generally speaking, my my view on nutrition um and sports nutrition is that of balance, and um, without restrictions. So, I love um to sort of encourage people to think of um their their dietary intake with as much variety and as much um color as possible so that they're getting a lot of um nutrients but nutrient density as well and quality food so i tend to encourage people to have a whole foods diet and get their macros and micros from unprocessed foods with minimal you know, additives with minimal sugars, with minimal things that are going to um, interfere with their liver metabolism, that's going to take the pressure off their body so that they can really um, extract the most out of the food that they um, are putting into their mouths. Because it's true in that saying in that um, it's not necessarily what you eat, it's it's how you digest what you eat. So it's not just what we put into our mouths, it's how we do it. You know, if we're relaxed and enjoying a balanced meal, Ah, we're going to extract more nutrient from that than if we're rushed and if we're sitting in the car trying to throw down a sandwich or you know, whatever it is. Um so I like to encourage people to kind of think quite broadly rather than restriction with their diet in a general everyday sense. And some of those, you know, really popular analogies that are, that are um, touted are things like eat like a rainbow. So you've got a massive amount of colour on your plate. Um, I like to – athletes who want to um, sort of focus more on their diet and get more specific, I encourage them to use the, the, the 18 out of 21 or the 19 out of 21 rule. And that generally applies to – if you think of the number of main meals that we have in a week – we'd have 21 of them, right? And if you focus on 18 or 19 of those being absolutely what's going to be beneficial to health and to endurance running. um, And the other two are just treat meals, whatever you feel like, you know, go for it. Don't deny yourself. If you're a, if you love chocolate, don't deny yourself, just keep it in moderation and just keep it in balance with everything else that you have. That's my general theory.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Without, yeah.
1: And no, that, that sounds
0: good. That that's the way I personally like to eat too. So um, yeah, great. Yeah, do, are you into at all, um, like the low carbs or vegan or keto or anything like that?
1: Look, I've I've tried lots of them. <laughs> I yeah, really have given them, me too. and I've yep. even I've even tried you know raw vegan. I've even oh wow. You know, <laughs> I've given lots of things a really good crack, and look, I was strictly vegan and high and performing at a high level. Oh, okay. Strictly as a vegan, but I've also been gone through periods where I've been um, a meat eater, and mm. to be honest, what I notice not only within myself but within my patients is that um, it, there is so many different ways of of fueling the body and that we need to really adapt the best nutrition for our body because our genetics are all very different. Our phenotype in terms of how we've responded to the environment is really different. So one athlete will stand next to the other, eat the same food, but get something different out of that food and metabolise it differently. Yeah. So for me, I'm, really, I'm not a huge fan of keto or strictly this or strictly that if, if people want to do that, I'm fully supportive of that. But for example, a vegan, great. Love it. I love it for many reasons. However, a vegan needs to be extremely well-educated in terms of where they're going to get all of their nutrients and the best vegan athletes will be flexible in their mindset as well. So they may be open to taking supplements, for example, of B12 or iron, yeah. and they may be open, you know, to to making sure they stay on track of their levels and getting regular tests so that they're actually being a really good vegan because there's some extremely unhealthy ones oh, out there.
0: Yes, indeed, yeah.
1: But like yeah. with anybody. but yeah. With keto. Yeah. yeah, and the same with keto. Like endurance yeah. athletes, there's a huge body of research sort of um, becoming quite popular around keto and endurance athletes. And look, some I think we've just got to be really mindful that some of those studies are of really small subsets. We've only got one or two that are specifically for um, endurance and specifically for ultramarathoners, for, for example. And those sample sizes have only been 33. So we don't yeah. really have enough quality information to say at this point, it's this way or that way, it's it's really, um, I think, important that we just keep an open mind to all things and just say, look, even if you feel good on a particular diet, there'll be lots of listeners that are saying, but I feel better on low carb or I feel better as this. Yep, you may, absolutely. But what I tend to see is cycles. So people will, see, will feel really good for maybe three, six, three, six months, for example, and then there'll be a few cracks in their nutrition that comes through. So the vegans, there be 12 and iron starts to get depleted by three months. Yes. Uh, those on the keto diets, I find uh, women's uh, cycles may start to switch off because you, on a strictly keto diet, you're eating under 50 grams of carbs a day. And to maintain that pulse, um, pulse mechanism from, from the, um, Brain out to our ovaries for luteinizing hormone, for example, to trigger off ovulation and to trigger off off a cycle. You'll need, you know, at least double that. You'd need at least you know 130 to 150 grams. So if a woman's really restricting her carbohydrates, you'll find that there's other issues that start to form, and then lo and behold, she'll start to possibly present with stress fractures. And why was that? Well, that was because she hasn't had uh, sufficient levels of estrogen being produced because mm. she's been restricting, restricting her dietary intake of the nutrients that she needs. So, uh, in saying that, I don't, you know, I think there's a time and a place for everything, but I think it's good to just be really aware and be very um, well educated on the choices that, that you may individually be making with your diet. Yeah, because there isn't one way or the highway.
0: <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I, and I agree. And I just, I just think, yeah, if you're going to choose restrictive diet, you've got to be so careful, don't you? Just to make so sure careful you're and everything.
1: Really well-educated. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so you can do it well. Mm. And so
0: um, with, um, like, when pe- people are running ultramarathons, they often have really sugary sorts of, you know, gels and, and all that sort of stuff. And then we'll often have you know mm. gastrointestinal issues do you have any recommendations mm. for what they can you know what they can eat that might not cause that or how they how people can use those sorts of things whilst running mm. and try to avoid you know gi issues
1: yeah the, the tummy problems it's a big one isn't it it's a real issue yeah. and of- it doesn't, it doesn't just happen in ultras obviously, but no. with some, um, and, and it happens for multiple reasons, unfortunately, because you've got, um, you know, the physical jolting as well as that constant um, requirement and, and the bloods going from the stomach out to the working muscles. So yes. there's less capacity for you to digest anything when you're running. Um, however, what I generally find with a lot of um, ultra runners is that if they're um, rotating the form of um, uh, carbohydrate or the form of fueling that they're putting into their bodies, it it reduces the risk of stomach irritation. So things uh, the things that I find stress the gut the most are straight gels, for example, high sugars, um, high fructose uh, based products. If they're in a ratio with glucose, they tend to be a bit better absorbed that way. Um, and I find, and again, this comes down to the individual, but um, rotating things even between liquids and sometimes just having water, but at the next drink, they may have some electrolytes, for example, or another form of liquid might be a smoothie, you know, a non-dairy smoothie, for example. But then, you know, uh, at the two-hour mark, they may have something semi-solid. You know, they may have a gel or they might have something that's super easily digested whether that's be a homemade oat bar or um, a fruit bar, you know, raw bar or something, something that gets a good hit of carbohydrates in there but isn't going to take too much in the way of digestion. Um, and personally, I also found I raced the best when I didn't just have carbs. When I had a small amount of protein um, and I'm talking – uh, you know two hundred and fifty mils, I would have probably only about four oh, max five grams of protein, and I would have that maybe every third every third carbohydrate drink so so in what form uh,
0: did you have the protein
1: liquid uh, I used to just mix it up as a protein powder, but a very watered down one okay and that and it wasn't milky so yeah. For me, that sat really well, and I found when I did that that I didn't pull up with as much muscle soreness. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you look at the biochemistry of doing that, but it actually allowed my stomach to um, – and, and I'm not talking like a chunk of protein, obviously. It's liquid, mm. so it's much more easily digested. But it just seemed to um, allow my stomach to stay a bit more, stay a bit more settled than if it was having – you know, lots of those really high sugar things yeah, yeah. Um. and a lot of athletes do well with that so it wouldn't just be straight protein it would be a blend you know most protein powders have subcarb in many ways yeah 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 all right and um so
0: what what should an athlete do if they start to experience this gastric distress in the middle of a race
1: yeah. Look, sometimes it's because there's what we call a sugar plug or a glucose plug, and it literally means that the, I know, doesn't <laughs> it? It literally just means that the um, transporter that's bringing in sugar or bringing in glucose into the cell is has it, got a bit too much. Um, there's a bit too much glucose there for it to be able to digest through the gut wall. So um, typically, if if that's happening, just switching to sipping basic water till it clears is a good yep. idea. Um, preventative measures are, are probably the best, and things like, um, uh, of course, practicing all your nutrition not just once. I encourage people to do it at least six times before race oh, day. Oh, okay. can because. Every every day is very different. Like if you're doing your Sunday long runs, you've got to also trial what you have on Saturday night, what you have on Saturday lunch, because that will then impact how your stomach is on Sunday morning. And then you've got to trial your your pre-run fueling, yeah. and then you've got to trial. So there's lots of combinations. So six times tends to cover most of the bases, and by six times people tend tend to feel pretty comfortable. Ah, oh, yeah, thirty k mark. I've got to have this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it'll you know it varies as well in in conditions. So, hotter conditions the stomach will be um, a bit more uh, sensitive, and cooler conditions doesn't tend to um, influence the gut so much. So, um, I think you've got to keep that into consideration as well. Often, if there's inflammation going on and it's systemic inflammation in the gut, there's things uh, that will help. Support that and help heal the gut. Things that contain glutamine. So in foods, you'll find foods rich in glutamine in things like bone broth. A vegan version would be cabbage juice, but I wouldn't suggest many people stomach that straight. So having a little bit of cabbage juice in a in a veggie juice, you know, with beetroot and carrot, for example, is probably the way to do that. Um, but things like slippery elm is usually in gut healing patterns okay. as well. And that just coats the lining of the tummy so it doesn't get quite as um, aggravated. And it can just help the microbiome settle down a little bit. Yeah. Um, during a race, obviously, you need to try and keep fueling. And I find people tend to tolerate the little um, the little blocks, you know, the yes. little... Blocks. A lot yeah. of people find, although they don't have as much carbohydrate in them as a gel, for example, and they don't often have caffeine, to my knowledge, in them either. So generally, they may be more tolerable. Um, avoiding caffeine for a while is a good idea because caffeine tends to be caffeine and fructose are the key things mm. that will really stir it up. Yeah. yeah. And and really just um, giving the tummy a little bit of a break. Uh, to allow it to settle down so that you can keep moving and you can um, not go completely off track with your nutritional plan. So you may need to change it, but you're still ready. Say if you get a tummy upset at 30, it just means by 40, you can take something on again. Yep. It may be the plan didn't go quite as you'd hoped, but you're not going to totally throw out the whole plan for the rest of the hundred K race, for example.
0: Yeah. Now, it, it seems to be a bit of a phenomenon that sometimes, you know, what works in one race doesn't work in the next. Is there yeah. any sort of um, physiological reason why that happens?
1: <laughs> no. Or it's
0: just the body being weird?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the body being weird, I think. Yeah. And as I touched on before, it can be different conditions. Yeah. It can be what you had the night before. It can be more to do with um, what's going on in your gut beforehand you know, before that race, if you're nervous, you know, we all know your gut will play up a lot more than if you're relaxed. What else is going on in your life? For example, Mm -hmm. if you've been a lot more stressed, your cortisol will be up and your hydrochloric acids will be lowered, which means,
0: you know, the whole
1: microbiome adjusts when you get stressed. So yeah, yeah, so many different factors there. (laughs) Sorry, I can't really... No, no, yeah, it's, it's it's fair enough. Pinpoint it's just, on that one. It's,
0: it's so frustrating when you think this is this works. I'm going to do this every race, and then the next race you go, oh, it didn't
1: work. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? Still, still having that plan in place gives you a better chance of success. If you don't have the plan at all, then you're less likely to be able to nail it. But everyone with even the best the best race preparation, things can go crazy oh, yeah. on race day even though they've done everything perfectly like there is you know sometimes it just comes down to luck I think yeah I think so
0: <laughs> sorry,
1: <laughs> so you're a real yeah. advocate for having a nutrition plan for the race yes yeah and practicing it big mm-hmm. time practice it practice it practice it so Are what do you sure think not... yeah go what? on sorry. so what do you think then like
0: sometimes you know there's aid stations and people just grab food from the eight
1: stations. Should we maybe focus more on our own plan and our own food than grabbing food from eight stations? If you're, it depends on your intention. If you're going in that race just to finish and you, the outcome is irrelevant to you, then being a bit more relaxed about your nutrition is fine. But yeah. if you're out there for success and you actually want to get the best out of yourself, then you'd be wise to actually... Um, you know, maintain that control over what you're putting in your mouth. If you're relying on aid stations, one, you can miss out. Things can be depleted by the time you get there, which is a shocker. (laughs) Um, Two, it can upset you because you've never practiced it. You know, a lot of athletes go out there and go, I'm just going to drink Gatorade from the drink station and then spend the rest of the race throwing up. Um, you, You don't know until you trial these things in a race mimic situation how they're going to sit with you. And the best way to do that is just do it on your long run with some level of intensity, you know, races, all all endurance races will have a slightly elevated level of intensity from their long run usually, but Mm. some, some athletes will put intensity into their long runs. Yeah. Deliberately to mimic race day. And they're the best times to try out the nutrition. It's not when you're going for an easy 5k run that has no relevance to a hundred K run. So, Yeah, I always do encourage people to have a plan and to do their best to execute that. I think it, is, it far outweighs having a slightly more heavier pack on your back but having the right food for you far outweighs getting to that station and eating something that really upsets your tummy and, you know, yeah. being miserable for the rest of the run. You want to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, exactly, or as much as you
0: can anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. so in regards to recovery, um, like I'm a big believer that food is is really important for recovery. What do you consider the best mm. food for recovery?
1: Yeah, so um, usually we like to have a combination of of macro and micronutrients, obviously in that in the that refueling stage. But especially for for ultras, that needs to sort of happen in the days after, um, not just an hour after. So. There is a general rule of thumb, and this is very general in, in sports nutrition, that recovery is generally a ratio of three to one carbs, but it, carbs being three, protein being one. But generally speaking, I find um, athletes, when they finish a long run, not, their, their appetite is suppressed, yes. and it may be for several hours. So the way I try and encourage people to overcome that is to just start sipping something that, is, that has some nutrition in it and that has some carbohydrate and protein in it. The easiest thing is usually a, um, a smoothie of some kind that is non-dairy, because the dairy can make you a bit yeah. queasy. Um, but that window of 30 to 60 minutes is ideal to get enough protein in. But it's over those next three hours where you can just slowly drip feed yourself rather than feeling like you've got to sit down to a big chunky meal um that a lot of athletes just don't feel like Mm -hmm. they're going to be ready for and the kinds of foods that will sit better are really simple plain foods uh a lot of athletes reach for chips for example fine have some chips don't worry about it but don't have a bucket full of chips you know have (laughs) some and then have you know things that are going to be readily absorbed into the body you'll need a blend you'll need some straight carbohydrates you know um, sort of simple sugars that are going to get into that bloodstream fairly quickly but you'll also need complex carbs so that your blood sugars don't go through one almighty swing an hour later and then crash you know two hours later and you'll find you'll feel worse than what you did during your run so I think it's just a bit of a blend that you've got to have there you know the most basic things like scrambled eggs on toast tend to be you know, reasonably well um, absorbed and, and digested, um, smoothies, as I mentioned before, basic things like, you know, a banana muffin with, you know, if you're traveling, something easy like a can of tuna on some crackers, something really light that you then just keep dripping, 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 rather than going to the pub and having a schnitzel. <laughs>
0: But speaking speaking of pub, you may want but it might not, it yeah. might not sit very well <laughs> no i can't imagine it would and speaking of the pub what about post-race beer
1: yeah look if you're already dehydrated it's probably not a brilliant idea but look have have some water first and then you deserve you well and truly deserve a beer if you want one but um maybe just maybe just maybe it's the other three beers after it <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs>
0: Yeah, so is, is they talk often about the, the window of, of opportunity for getting food in after either a run or a race. Does it really yeah. matter that much getting it in, in the 60 minutes?
1: Look, the, the science suggests that um, muscle synthesis and repair within, if you do provide it with the protein especially, within um, the 60 minutes is optimised. But no. But as I mentioned before, over the next three hours is when you can still keep going. So if, if for whatever reason you can't get it in, not yeah. a biggie, but just, you know, the earlier the better basically. And most people do tend to need at least, you know, um, at least 20 grams initially of the protein um, and, you know, at least, you know, 40 to 50 grams of carbs if they can. Um, but, you know, just do what you can basically initially don't feel like you've got to stuff yourself. Just the main thing is just do it slowly and gradually. And yeah. And
0: what about like the couple of days after a race, because a lot of athletes find Mm. that they feel really hungry and Mm. some feel well that they shouldn't eat and others then might head for the junk
1: food. What sort of. Mm. I think this is where balance comes into it. And Mm. I think it's, it's great to be able to, um, if you've been really focused on the race and you've, um, possibly cut out things from your diet uh, all in the name of running a race better, then it's okay to have that treat. It's great to have that piece of chocolate cake. It's great to, you know, um, have that bowl of ice cream, go for it. But just don't rely on those solely, you know, have a decent meal and have treats. Like you need a lot of extra energy to to replenish and to replenish the glycogen, but to also to aid that muscle repair You've got a lot of micro tears in your muscles after doing an endurance race, so um, and especially looking after your adrenal glands as well. So you need a lot more things that are rich in magnesium, which is your leafy greens, um, vitamin C definitely, and but and zinc because the immune system uh, will be reduced after a long run uh, of that distance. So an ultra distance and that's why you often find um athletes will get sick after a yeah. race as well. So just being mindful that great to have treats, have a have a good nudge at those, but don't forget to put the good stuff in there as well because otherwise you'll find you'll get sick and run yeah. down and then mm-hmm. you won't be able to, you won't be able to back up again and
0: be sort of an <laughs> <That's laughs>
1: right. next race. Yeah so, and
0: what, what are your thoughts on um supplementation like with things like calcium and magnesium and taking them in tablet mm-hmm. form.
1: Yeah. Um, where there is deficiencies and there is signs of deficiencies, it can be very useful. So a lot of, um, more serious athletes are just churning through so much nutrients that it's very difficult for them to get everything from their diet. Yeah. And I see this clinically in terms of, I see signs and symptoms in a patient. If if a patient's cramping continuously, um, they're not sleeping well. Um, there's a few other signs that I look for in terms of magnesium. Then I'd say, you know, for a short period of time, you might be, it might be a good idea to replenish those stores, but at the same time, make sure that their diet is as enhanced in leafy greens as possible, for example. So I think they definitely do have value and they do have a place, but it's not something I say blanketly, everyone needs them. You know, it's very individualized. Yeah. And especially with um, endurance athletes, things like sodium, you know, we've got this um, love-hate relationship with sodium in, in the health space. And for athletes, I find, especially if they're also vegans, they can actually be incredibly low on sodium, which means their oh, okay. glands don't function very well either because there's yeah. limited, in, limited amounts in their diet. And then if they're a heavy sweater, then yeah. they're excreting a lot more as well. So they need to sprinkle sodium on their diet, on their on their food and maybe have a little bit in their drink bottles, for example, just every day for some of them wow, to okay. replenish those stores. So, yeah, it's very individual as to what someone would need. Yeah, yeah. but if someone's showing health issues and they're still competing, then uh, there may be things that they need shorter term to settle down some of those health issues so they continue they can continue before the the nutritional deficit turns into more of a pathology, an underlying issue. Yeah.
0: And, and I guess there's also a huge range in the quality of supplements. Massive. <laughs> Massive.
1: Massive. Yeah. So I see a lot of um, people who will reach for cheaper, you know, uh, chemist stocked products, yeah. for example, and some of them aren't worth, yeah. just aren't worth putting into the body because they're in, a form that is not readily available to the body. So you need to go with quality supplements that are bioavailable. So even though they say zinc on them, there's, a, there's 10 different varieties of yeah. zinc that you could get. Some are good, some are rubbish. Um, yeah. yeah, the same with a lot of things, you know, things like vitamin C, people go, oh, citric acid, that's vitamin C, I'll shove that in. or well, on its own, it doesn't have the cofactors and the bioflavonoids to make it more oh, okay. available to the body. So, you know. Yeah, you've got to be careful, you've got to, um, I would, with, with supplementation, I do suggest people do seek some guidance from, from a professional so that they, they're not wasting their money, basically, and they're getting what is going to be best for them yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. So also, often we're told that we should drink, you know, like two litres of water a day. Do you feel that we need to consume that much water?
1: Well, two litres is pretty light for an hour, oh. to be honest. <laughs> Very light, Um, And look, the. the <laughs> so the. I think what we've also got to think about with with water is it's our total fluid intake. It's not just water. Mm-hmm. True. So a lot of athletes, for example, will have soups. They'll have smoothies. They'll have. I don't know, um, milk on their brekkie or whatever. And oh, all, so you would consider
0: of- milk a fluid as well?
1: Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's your whole fluid intake. So <clears throat> most people, if they add up their fluid intake, they get pretty close to two litres. Most, most people mm. do. But if you just said water, then a lot of people would balk at that. And yeah. I don't know whether I could drink two straight litres either, mm. personally. Um, yeah, so I is could- coffee, would tea. you consider
0: coffee a liquid?
1: yeah coffee's a tricky one isn't it because it will be a diuretic at the same time so you need to be having um another glass of water if you're having a coffee (laughs) yeah but um i think i think generally for athletes if they want to think about their fluids um and focus on that in terms of hydration, especially if they're racing, you know, somewhere a bit warmer, it's mm. really good to understand your sweat rate because every athlete will need a different amount of water. There an, there's a general recommendation of, you know, 250 mils every 20 minutes or 20 to 30 minutes, but some stomachs will not be able to tolerate that while others yeah. will be. So um, it's really individual. And I think that's where the sweat test has huge value because you can be quite specific. If you're a heavy sweater, you're going to need more fluid, not only during your race, but everyday training because you naturally sweat more. And you'll also be excreting more magnesium, more sodium, more of those electrolytes. So it may mean that you actually need to have more of those things as well. So the sweat tests are easy. You can do a basic one at home yourself. Or you could go somewhere like um, sweat lab, for example, and get one uh, professionally done that also checks your sodium excretion, if you want to get really okay. particular about it. Yeah, specific about it. But a home-based one is so easy. You just literally, before you run, uh, jump on the scales and run for an hour with, with fairly solid intensity that may mimic race day intensity. And then come back and weigh yourself. And if you're having fluid during that one hour run, you've got to take it off. Um, So you've got to add it on to that measurement. So if you lose, for example, a kilo of um, weight on the the scales, that's equivalent to a litre that you just lost. So when that then uh, extrapolates to race day, you've got to try and get that much in per hour during the race. But if you're a light sweater, you might only lose, you know, five hundred mils. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how that's how you do it in a, in a basic raw <laughs> raw way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, do you have um any other as we're wrapping up any other tips that you might like to give to runners oh, and athletes in general? In gosh, I
1: think I think um. I think if you haven't cottoned onto my thread, it's really about balance yeah. and it's, um, it comes down to also why you're doing it. Like if you're doing it for fun, make it fun. Yeah. And um, nutrition is just one of those things And you can make nutrition really fun as well. You know, yeah. even within groups, you can share great recipes, you can try things out, you can experiment, you can be creative. And I think food. Um, we need to fall in love with our food a little bit more rather than thinking, uh, thinking of it as just something we do to fuel our bodies. But yeah. I think, you know, we have a, we need to have a really beautiful and positive relationship with our food. So we get the most out of it. And um, you know, that goes for every day, but also during the race, if you really enjoy the taste of something, then it's saying to your body, good, I'm going to really absorb this and enjoy this. But if if you're shoving food in for the sake of eating, it's really numbing down your senses and everything that you then do with that food. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's some, you know, more esoteric things that we can do with our food other than just count calories and, yeah. you know, get too rigid about stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds good. I like that. Now, How can people get in contact with you if they want to come and see you and, you know, to get some good Knowledge on what they should be doing for their running and racing.
1: Yeah, sure. So I've got a um, a clinic called the Athlete Sanctuary, and I'm based in Victoria, in um, in Ballarat, Torquay, and Melbourne. In those three, mm-hmm. I operate from those three areas. But I do a lot, obviously, at the moment, um, doing a lot of online things. So I've got yeah I've got athletes all around the world, which is great. That's the best thing about online, right? You can yeah. become accessible to people. So the easiest, probably the easiest to reach me is to um go to the website to athletesanctuary.com.au and i'll yep. uh, be able to contact me through there yeah excellent oh
0: thank you very much and i'll put um that in the show notes too for people who want to hey. find kate all right thank you so much i really appreciate You're very you welcome good to all right.
1: chat thank you bye, bye. bye. bye.
0: So, what did you think? I was surprised to learn that two litres is the minimum you should drink. I thought I was doing so well to drink one and a half. I need to work on that one, obviously. What did you learn? Please let me know. Also, if you've got value out of this podcast and would like me to interview Kate again, email or DM me or comment on the podcast post with your questions and I'll try to get those covered. We both would love to cover some more issues that certainly are highly relevant to you. I really enjoy creating this podcast, but of course, it is truly a labour of love. The only pain I receive is your support in the form of subscriptions, ratings and reviews. The time I put in and the cost of the equipment I use is all mine. So I truly appreciate it when you show that I'm giving you some value. Thank you all. I'm in the process of accepting new athletes into my coaching programs. If you are interested in getting some quality structured coaching, I have limited spaces available. Email me on isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au or DM me on socials. Have a great week. Restrictions are easing, but remember to keep doing the right thing. Thank you.